Good day, everyone. Welcome to your self-help quest. I'm your host, Joshua Melissus, and joining me today is Dr. Douglas Greiner, who is a licensed psychologist who works at the Missouri State University Counseling Center. Uh, Dr. Greiner, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me in. Appreciate it. Now, as a psychologist at the Counseling Center, is there a specific area of therapy that you specialize in? And if so, what does that entail? Being a, a psychologist, psychologist in the counseling center it's I have to be kind of a generalist uh, we see so many different concerns that students bring in so I work with a variety of different issues I know I, I definitely enjoy working with students with developmental concerns typical college transition issues transitioning to going from high school to college I enjoy working with uh, students who are dealing with loss and grief issues um, maybe someone who's lost a, a grandparent or a parent or a sibling. Um, I've worked a lot with students with anxiety uh, issues, concerns there. So those are areas I enjoy working with or um, I find working with those students to be really, really enjoyable. But I have to be a generalist because we are a smaller staff and um, we, we have to see students who bring in a variety of concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the counseling center, like how do attendance numbers this year compare to numbers last year? That's a difficult question and probably not a fair comparison. Last year was unlike any other year, as any student on a college campus knows around the country. Uh, most people were doing classes from home or, um, you know, and they were in their rooms, they, you know, everything was online. And we definitely saw a drop in the number of people right after COVID started in um, March of 2020, our numbers really fell off. Um, a lot of people were home. They weren't quite familiar with Zoom yet. Our numbers went up some last year. This year, if I'm looking at the numbers right, comparing them best to maybe this point where we were two years ago, our numbers are pretty comparable. Uh, so two years ago, COVID hadn't hit yet and um, our numbers are pretty much in line with then. So um, if that's the case, uh, we'll hopefully we'll be you know, where we were two, maybe three years ago before COVID hit. So comparing to last year, it's just, we've kind of given up the comparing because it looks like everything just exploded in the last yeah. 12, uh, 12 months. But things 12 months ago were definitely very different. In what ways has the pandemic affected the mental health of students? Um, I think it's, it depends on the student. I would say it really depends on the student. Um, overall, I think, especially initially, there was a lot of um, confusion, stress, um, trying to figure out um, how, do I, how do I do this? How do I do online classes? That isn't what I signed up for. Uh, the students who in you know, spring of 2020 went home and some students went home to very rural areas where bandwidth was you know, low, to say the least, or they just didn't have reception. And that was a real challenge for some people. As the uh, pandemic went on, I think last year, um, again, I think there's, I would say stress and anxiety has been a theme throughout all of it. Last year, I really saw a lot of students who were in some ways happy to be going back to college or could live here, but the, the options were limited. If they wanted to get involved in a group, a group might be meeting on Zoom. And that just wasn't the same for a lot of people who, 
who wanted to be maybe going to a meeting, interacting with other people. They were seeing them on a screen. And for some people, that just wasn't as satisfying. And last year, when I say last year, I mean last academic year, um, again, a lot of people stayed home if they were doing everything online. I don't have to go to Springfield or Missouri State. I can stay at home with family and um, do my um, classes online. This year I see more of a return to a lot more of the traditional things that we've seen in the center, uh, the range of issues. Um, there's still the, the stress of, um, you know, just things are different, but for some people, being able to be back in the residence hall, have a roommate, uh, being able to have some seated classes, that's been a good thing. Uh, some people really like seated classes. Some people really like the online. Uh, for some people, I think the pandemic, in a way, was, um, I wouldn't say good, but it really opened up the ways to meet other people via uh, social media or the internet through other, um, through other means. The, the options really, really exploded when the pandemic started. So for some people, I think there was some opportunity there, but for most, there's just a lot of anxiety. What do you think are the causes or contributing factors of why most students turn to the Counseling Center? Pretty much year after year, our top concerns that people come in with um, are um, adjustment. There's always an adjustment. I think that's very uh, typical the first semester of fall. And that'd be, um, you know, you can imagine someone coming to college. I always say the first semester of the first year is probably the most stressful year for anybody. You're going from maybe having your own room at home to a schedule that was pretty defined during the day when you're at school to you're now sharing a room with somebody or a suite with a bunch of other people. Um, you have classes that you go to, but the rest of the day is yours, and you've got to manage your own time and um, do that on your own. Uh, so there's that, which is pretty typical. The anxiety issues. Um, over the years, anxiety concerns has been right at the top there. Uh, students who are dealing with um, more than stress even, the stress of going to college, but just a, an internal sense of worry and anxiety and depression. Depression concerns can definitely be up there. I'd say then the, probably the fourth, and again, these all are pretty even. It's, you know, these are not in any order, but the fourth would be relationship concerns. And that may be um, relationships, and that's pretty broad. Could be roommate issues, dating relationships, relationships with family members, uh, something in that range. So those I say would be the top four concerns. And we could go back several years and those would be in the top four. Then there are the other concerns that people bring in and that could be um, uh, maybe um, dealing with some, some substance abuse issues, dealing with the past that involves some abuse, some trauma issues, uh, someone who's having serious thoughts of harming themselves or others. Uh, so those are concerns, but those tend to be a little bit further down for the top concerns that come in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And I guess this depends on each student, but like how many sessions do most students need? We, we have a limit of up to eight in a semester. So um, given that our schedules are pretty busy, and I will I say, again, another thing I can tell from the semesters over the years is October and November are our busiest months year after year. Those are when we get the biggest demand. 
So like right now, I'm seeing students maybe every couple weeks. So if a student comes in every two weeks over the course of a 16-week semester, eight weeks, eight sessions. Now, what do most students really use? Around four. Yeah. Around four. Um, some, some three, some five. But usually around, I'd say three to five, but around four sessions. And most people come in, they figure out some things that they're going to do differently. They kind of clarify what's going on, kind of get the big picture, and then, okay, I can do this or this, and it'll kind of help them get moving where they want to be. So I think over the years, again, on average, we see people probably around four times. And some people come in more. Some come in once just to talk about what's going on and get a different perspective and feel they get what they need. And one session was enough. Yeah. But you're right, it depends. You mentioned October, November. Uh, why not December as much? My belief is by the time students come back from Thanksgiving break, there isn't a lot of time yeah. before the semester's over. Uh, we see people who will come in that, you know, a little bit at the end of November, beginning of December. I think a lot of students um, really get focused on their academic things, all the projects and papers that are due, tests that are coming up. Uh, I believe some students just, you know, really focus on that and they put the personal concerns on the back burner. Uh, now we'll have people who come in and really are struggling and realize near the end, I'm, I'm struggling here. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to get the grades I want to get. And we'll see some people who will come in then. But our numbers tend, tend to taper off, especially after Thanksgiving. And that's just my belief is that um, there's so much energy being spent on the, wrapping up the semester. And maybe there's a sense of there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. If you think of it that way, that at the end of the semester, I see, I see we're going to be there. I just got to get through finals. And then I'm done. I can get out of here. And that'll take some of the stress off. So that may be part of it. And would you say like that's the same for May? Yeah. Yeah, I would say again, as you get in those last couple weeks, um, just tends to be a little less use. Not always, but tends to be. The, um, the spring semesters tends to also start off a little bit busier and then kind of starts to fade as the semester goes on. It's, it's almost a mirror image of fall. Fall seems like it starts out and then you know increases, becomes busier, the demand increases, get to the end. Spring starts out, the demand is pretty high, but as the semester goes on, it decreases some. Um, again, it could be for some people who deal with um, like a seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. That I, the days get longer, the weather gets nicer. Um, after spring break, they're starting to feel um, maybe not as depressed or as down, whatever, and uh, don't feel the need to come in. I can highly relate to that. Okay. Because, okay. like, I hate January and February. And, like, once it gets to March, that's my mental health is, like, mm -hmm. gets improved. Mm -hmm. Because it's spring now, you know, and the sun's right. coming out, other weather, so. Yeah. Um, now, we'll also see some students who'll come in, like, after spring break that um, – might might think oh it's the it's been the january february blues if i can call it that yeah. just those those gray days those rainy snowy days spring break everything will be better the days are longer we're on daylight savings time it feels lighter it's lighter at night whatever and then they don't feel better and they'll come in and maybe say you know i thought i would feel better when the days got longer and the weather got warmer 
but I'm not. Maybe something else is going on. So it isn't necessarily the seasonal affective concerns. So again, it depends on the student and different things we see at different times of the year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what services do most of the counselors provide? Primarily individual face-to-face -face uh, counseling. Uh, we do offer some different groups occasionally. Um, we, um, you know, have offered a, um, I know we did a, uh, a loss and grief, dealing with loss and grief group, uh, a group for individuals who are um, transgender or gender questioning, um, gender non-binary. So again, a, a chance to talk about more of a support group than a counseling group per se. Uh, but primarily most people do individual one-on-one -on -one therapy. Um, sometimes uh, two students come in, if they're both um, students at Missouri State, they'll want to do some couples counseling. We don't get necessarily a lot of that. Uh, if someone's not a student and they're wanting family therapy, then we'll refer into the community for, for that. So we really do put our energies into helping students, currently enrolled students. Um, some therapists uh, are more trained in providing therapy that's really designed to help people who've been through uh, some trauma in their life, maybe some past abuse or sexual assault. So, uh, but again, that tends to be face-to-face, one-on-one. The other thing, I guess I would add too, the other thing we do, and I wanna be, um, I guess, aware of this, is that we also do a lot of outreach uh, we do um, programming. We get asked to come into classes or um, maybe come to a, a Greek house uh, and talk about the services that we offer or do a program on stress management, for example. That's our number one requested outreach program, uh, stress management. But sometimes we'll go into a residence hall, maybe after a, uh, a student death. Sometimes that happens that a student died in a car accident over a weekend and um, a suite and a floor is just really upset. Or maybe that's happened in a class. Um, there have been a few times where an instructor died and had to go in and uh, talk with the class about uh, you know, what, what to expect and how grief is different for everyone. And that may trigger some past, some past loss issues. So some of the things we do is also outside of the classroom going into different uh, classes or maybe a Greek, um, one of the houses, one of the chapter houses and uh, providing some support and education there as well. What are some good coping mechanisms for students dealing with stress or anxiety? I always think first and foremost, it's important for the person to realize um, or to identify maybe what is causing the stress. Uh, where is it coming from? And sometimes it's pretty obvious. Sometimes it isn't. Um, you know, um, Finals, I, I always use that as an example. Finals is a pretty obvious stressor. People know that they have all these tests within, you know, four days or sometimes, you know, three tests in 24 hours, and that's pretty stressful and making sure they're feeling up and ready for that. But I also think there are things that are really exciting in our life that can be stressful. Uh, so, for example, um, talking to someone and, and they tell me, and I'm getting married in a month and I'm trying to coordinate everything. And I think, wow. You're planning a wedding, taking 16 credits, and working a 20-hour-a-week job. Jeez. You got a lot going on. And sometimes, you know, when I say that, a person may look at me and just realize, yeah, that is a lot. I hadn't thought about it. They're excited to get married. You know, classes are going good. But identifying where the stress is coming from, I think, is important. 
Um, I also invite people to think about how do they know they're stressed? What are their warning signs? So some people tend to uh, notice more of a, a mental maybe warning. So maybe they find they're more forgetful uh, or that um, they're finding they misplace their keys at home more often. Uh, that can be a sign that maybe they've got a lot of things going on. They're really thinking about a lot of stuff, but they'll set things down and forget where they put it. They kind of get out of their routine. Uh, maybe they find that they're more um, oh, more easily irritated. That's kind of a, a mental, maybe starting to move into an emotional, kind of easily irritated or um, crying more or feeling numb, robotic. Some people have physical signs. Maybe they get that muscle twitching that's going on or they start getting headaches from muscle tension or stomach issues. Um, so I invite people to think about, okay, what, do you, what are your warning signs? Pay attention to those, and now what do you do? And it really is some of the basic stuff that we've probably known all along, but we have to remind ourselves that it's going to involve um, you know, trying to set aside some things, focus on what you really need to focus on, prioritize. Uh, set aside some time for taking care of yourself. Uh, you know, maybe that's, you know, if you've got an hour for lunch, you, you know, you have some lunch, but you get out and walk for 15, 20 minutes. Just some time to burn off some of that tension and also some time to not have to think. Um, humor can be a good technique to deal with stress, to kind of keep a sense of humor. Also to, when it comes to stress, I always let people know when it's stress-related, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I said that comment earlier, but I think to remember that this is going to come to an end. When it's stress, it will come to an end. And to remember that, uh, like with finals, that Thursday at whatever time, you'll be done. So if they're done Thursday at 3 o'clock, you're done with finals. At that point, it's out of your control. So how do you take care of yourself until then? So again, focus on those, those strategies, get plenty of sleep, eat healthy. I mean, it really is some of the basic take care of yourself stuff. How can we build a safer space for students? I think a big part of it is, and I think this has improved over the years, having been on college counseling center, cam college campuses over the years, I think students are more comfortable talking about uh, maybe their concerns, their personal issues. Um, but I think making sure that we, as best we can, remove the stigma, that it's not a bad thing to go seek out help or assistance. Um, I would hope that um, if the health center, the, the doctors in the health center, the medical doctors, uh, were all to report that, oh, this past year we saw an uptick of 3% of people coming in, that no one on campus say, oh, no, that's terrible. Students are going to see a doctor. I would hope people would think, you're going to see a medical doctor because you're trying to take care of yourself. You realize, I'm not feeling well, I need to take care of myself. So I think we want to do the same thing with mental health issues. That uh, if a student goes in to talk to a counselor, that's not a bad thing. It's good, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. I hope you'll you know, figure out what steps you need to take, what changes you need to make that's going to allow you to move in the direction you want to move to become the person you want to be. So I think being supportive of someone, encouraging someone if um, um, you know they're going to see someone and say, I hope you'll keep going in, talking to someone and you know, um, or inviting someone. If you thought about going to talk to a counselor, maybe that would be something helpful. 
but really trying to remove the stigma and not not um, think of someone as weak or um, having some deficit because they're seeking out help. Yeah. So that's what I would say. What can we do to check in on students with mental health problems? Oh. Um, I think that if if a student is talking about some concerns, you know, as maybe as the friend, um, I'll take it from that perspective. As the friend, I might, um, you know, I want to be supportive. I want to, you know, do what I can. But I also have to realize that sometimes I can't do everything, and I may have to, um, you know, let the person know I want to be supportive, but I don't know what to do here. So I think uh, being supportive, the first step may be knowing your limits, that um, I can be supportive of someone, but I can't necessarily be their therapist. I can't be a therapist for people I know and friends. I'm not objective. I'm not removed enough. Um, and sometimes a person needs a more objective perspective. Uh, so I think that's a good place to start is kind of encouraging the person to take care of themselves, knowing the limits, inviting them to consider talking to someone else. Um, to let them know that there is a counseling center on campus or maybe it's someone who's not a student and there are resources in the community I can help you find those and um, to let the person know you know I I want to be supportive but also feel like uh, maybe this is more than I can I can help with not that I'm telling you I don't want to be supportive I'm going to be supportive but I think someone else can offer some better better ideas, maybe some better perspective than I can. Um, so I think I would start there of encouraging someone and checking in with them. So if um, if a friend of mine told me some stuff and I said, I think it'd be good to talk to someone, they say, yeah, I think it would be. Um, right now we're doing a lot of our counseling via Zoom, a lot of it, but let's say someone's really afraid to come in the door. And that, I think, is more of a case of walking in the door to an office can be really intimidating. Uh, some students have walked in with the friend and sat there while the person goes back and talks to someone, just being supportive while they walk in and wait for that appointment. Um, sometimes I think it can be helpful to ask the person, how did the, how did the meeting go? Are you still seeing that person? How's it going? Um, again, not prying. Let the person share what they want to share. But to just say, you know, I hope, I hope you'll keep taking care of yourself and doing what you need to. But sometimes just checking in with the person. How's it going? How can we understand students' mental health better? That's a, that's a big question. That's a big question. I say it a lot. It depends. It depends on what's going on. Um... I think there's a part of the mental health concerns that, um, as I have said, that some of it's developmental, some of it is just where someone is in life. Um, someone who is 18 or 19 um, may never have dealt with uh, the loss of someone important to them, the death of someone. They've just never had to deal with that. Or maybe someone who's 18, 19, or maybe 21 has never gone through a breakup, and this is the first breakup. Maybe that's also about an age where someone may have their first um, mental health issue. Maybe the first time they've really dealt with depression or really dealt with anxiety or schizophrenia, for example. Um, we sometimes see a student who's starting to deal with some of those concerns. 
So I think, you know, you have to kind of understand where the student's coming from. What are they dealing with? Um, that this is a lot of firsts that a college student may be dealing with um, and trying to be aware of that. That, you know, um, some people just haven't had to deal with some things just because of their age. You know, like I think about that, I always think about that developmental umbrella, if I can use that, that, you know, when a person gets into their 60s and 70s, they may start seeing friends from, you know, high school friends and people they know their age. They start dealing with some loss issues because of cancer and various health issues. Maybe they've never had to deal with those health issues. And it brings up their own fears of, I am more vulnerable. Um, so I think it depends where the person is in their life and what issues um, they might be experiencing. So I think that's that's a big component of it. Yeah. Before we end the show, I want to ask you two last questions that I ask everyone. Okay. Uh, what is something that has brought you immense joy today? Today? Yeah, or or this past week, if not today. Well, I'll stick with today. The walk over here was nice. Yeah. It was just nice to get out of the office. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes I I feel like I get kind of up in my little area, my little office, and I don't get to get out. It was a beautiful day. It was nice walking over here. Um, it was just good to get out and have a sunny, get out on a sunny day and have a nice walk across campus and see other students walking around and just enjoying the day. It's yeah. a good, good day. I hope I have a good walk back too. Well, when I left this morning, it was um, it was kind of cold. Is it like warmer now? Definitely warmer. Yeah. I debated whether to wear a jacket, and I looked out the window, and most students weren't wearing jackets. They're walking in shorts, so it's yeah, perfect day. It's a perfect fall day. Uh. What's something that you need to work on? That is a good question. Um, I'm going to go more personal than professional. I, I'm always trying to work on and pay attention to focusing on that over which I have control. Um, so I have to think about, you know, in situations where am I going to put my energy? And sometimes I find myself getting really frustrated by a situation. I think that's just, you know, I think a lot of us find ourselves in that situation. And I have to step back from it for a moment and think, okay, what do I have control over here in this situation, in this issue I'm dealing with? And if I'm really honest, and this is the hard part, it sounds easy, but it's really hard. I really only have control over me, really. So um, how do I want to think about this? What do I want to say? When am I going to go to bed tonight? What am I going to eat today? Um, you know, how am I going to say whatever it is if I'm going to talk to someone? Once it leaves me, I really don't have control over it anymore. And, um, you know, I can, I can say whatever. If I'm really frustrated with a situation, I can think about how do I want to address this? Do I want to address it? And I can address it, but if I'm going to stand there hoping for a response, I don't have control over what the person's going to do. So I guess that's something that, you know, um, uh, I think about of trying to focus on what do I really have control over in this situation? And I find that to be a real helpful thing. Um, maybe when the day is really busy or I find myself really frustrated. Um, I would say the other thing I really focus on too is just being aware of um, being aware of how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, kind of just being in the moment. Uh, it's a little bit of that mindfulness quality. 
But I think there's also value in that, and I keep working on that. Like walking over here today, I was just enjoying the walk over here. And that's why it was so good, because I just shut off, you know, what's going on back in the office, whatever. I'll deal with that when I get back there. I just want to enjoy the walk today. So focusing on, on that over which I have control and being trying to be more mindful and in the moment. I guess I'll give you two answers to that question. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Griner, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate okay. it. Well, thank you for inviting me in. I appreciate it too. And thank you so much to our audience for watching and listening. And for more content, please subscribe to Your Self-Help Quest on Apple and Spotify. And I hope you all have a very beautiful day, and make sure to take care of yourselves. Peace. Mm -hmm.